Today we wrap up our series called Family Matters. This is a really fun conversation I had the privilege of facilitating. It's a group of parents who share a lot of great insights. Even though I'm someone who doesn't yet have kids and I was raised by a single parent, I was really blessed by this conversation. I think that even if you're not directly represented in this panel, you're going to be blessed as well. So enjoy this conversation. Hi, we're uh, Buffy and Terry Flick and... We have four kids, ages 11, nine, and our twins are just seven. Just seven, yeah. Jamie and Jenny, <laughs> we have two boys, George and William, who are four and two. John and Willow Ann Simons, we are parents of three adults, a boy, two girls, and we have seven grandchildren, aged 24 to 11. Kim and there is a Tim, Henry, uh, we have two adult children, uh, Jeremy and Tyler. Jeremy is 25 and Tyler is 27. Well, welcome everyone. We're so glad that you could be a part of this Family Matters parenting panel. And we're going to have kind of a conversation together. We have several parents here on the call. And so uh, we're going to talk about parenting, about kids, about what it means to uh, raise them in a, a Christian home and, and things like that. And so just to kind of start things off, what I was wondering is, what is the funniest thing your child has ever said or did? Mm. <laughs> a couple of our kids have definitely asked people to their face if they were a man or a woman. That's, that's <laughs> awkward. <laughs> no need to beat around the bush, huh? No. Oh. I remember Tyler saying when he was a, a child, the, um, the people that lived next door to us, he drank a lot of beer. So I remember Tyler walking over to him one day and said, you know, if you drink any more of that beer, you're going to hell for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> this was a long time ago and it was Nikki. And we were in a restaurant and a woman came over to talk to us and, uh, she she just talked for a few minutes and as she walked away she was still within earshot and mickey said what gave her the idea of growing a mustache <laughs> it's funny to us probably not so funny no i'm afraid she heard it <laughs> yeah jenny gave me a book a while back uh, called my quotable kid where you're supposed to write down all the funny things yeah. they said and I never used it a single time. Now I regret it. <laughs> Don't have time. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. When so you mentioned the restaurant. Did you ever said something to that lady at the Irving Big Stop in Moncton? What did he order from her? A grilled cheese sandwich. And she, she wasn't even our waitress. She was just a waitress walking yeah. by the table. And George puts <laughs> up the hand and says, excuse me, miss. And she stops. She says, I'll have a grilled cheese sandwich. <laughs> she says, I'll tell your waitress. <laughs> yeah that was pretty good yeah they're they're funny they're just silly like every yeah. yeah they i don't know every i mean they're two and four so they're just everything is funny and like, they're at that age too yeah. where they when they learn a new word they mispronounce it the first few times yeah so if we're building something george will ask where the where the constructions are yeah <laughs> when we redid the deck he came home and said whoa dad look at all the materials yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're funny. They're cute. Uh 
he calls a, a bathing suit his uh, swimming costume. His swim costume. You know I mean? <laughs> Mom, have you seen my swim costume? Where's my swim costume? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I take it there's a there's just a few stories, a few funny moments, and uh, and and things to say. This next one's not really meant to be a competition between you, but it would be interesting to hear from from your perspective. What do you think? the most challenging child's age is to parent as in the child's age, which is the most challenging, would you say? So far it's any age of William. Yeah. Depends <laughs> on the kid. Depends Just on the kid. William. Yeah. He is two and a half going on yeah. three and he is the perfect like yeah, he was born, challenge. He was born in the it's it's exactly I was thinking the same thing. It's it's the child. So my yeah. most challenging child was Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> it's very strong willed. Yeah. yeah. George was every every parent's like, oh, I definitely could have a second child. Yeah, this like, is easy. What this are, is a joke. Yeah. And then William would be the child where people are like, okay, I'm yeah. gonna stop. George was like, George, go right on the walls. And he was like, oh, I'm terribly sorry. I'll never do it again. And William's like, oh, don't write on the walls, you say. Let me flip the coffee table and write on every single wall of this. With permanent marker. Your shark, where's your shark and stuff? I feel like by the time the twins, the first day of kindergarten was the best day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> And then I actually started liking them. I, I always loved them, but I didn't really like them until I could send them off to school. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's, yeah, it's a struggle. I mean, it's, obviously, I liked them. There's great moments, but there was a lot of tears. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're not done parenting yet. I have to say the most challenging age is somewhere between birth and 50. <laughs> <laughs> Parenting job never ends. No, somewhere in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's where when COVID hit. That's the challenging. Mm -hmm. I agree oh, yeah. with Buffy. I when when the kids got old enough to go to school, it was there was a new level of freedom that I really enjoyed. As much as I loved them, it was nice to wait. Bye. Day. Yeah. <laughs> <Day. laughs> yeah. The next question might be kind of between uh, two parents and your parenting style, but how do you handle and how have you handled the love them and discipline them kind of balance? How do you balance the two and, and does it differ between uh, you and your parenting partner? Loving them is easy enough. Yeah. Yeah. Discipline again comes down to the kid. George is easy to discipline because he, he doesn't he do listens, he understands, yeah. he agrees, and he moves on. Yeah. And, uh, and William's quite not <laughs> not that way. William William will ask for a timeout. He'll just be like, Yeah, he'll just go sit on his bed. Oh, I guess I'm in trouble. Yeah. John's mother was my model for that. He she was so good at loving the kids and laughing at them. And his his mother. I, I just thought if I can be a mother like her, then I've I've made it. But she just you had a good role model. I really did, and she didn't do any of the discipline, as far as I know. She mm -hmm. just her role was to love them, and I thought, okay, my role too. So I really didn't do a lot of the discipline. 
I can remember my mother saying, she would, if she got angry, she might say, you wait till your father gets home. But when father got home, she never told him. <laughs> so just the threat, the threat of possible violence kept you in mind. Psychological. <laughs> yeah. I think we've battled with that a bit over who, uh, like where, who, who takes on what role as a disciplinarian. And I think um, each of us have certain things that we'll let slide more mm-hmm. so than the other. And it's not uncommon that I'll be like, you know, hey, Buffy, you know, you said you do this and you didn't, or she'll call me on something. Uh, I think it all depends on where our tolerances are, you know, what our, what our model uh, behavior is, perhaps. Yeah. I was more the disciplinarian and Tim was the soft guy. So I really had to train him, too. And he's not here to defend himself, so I can say what I like. <laughs> I would be the more soft one. Yeah. Right, well, discipline's important. But <laughs> they have to get a little older, too. Really. Yeah. At, at our kids' age, it's more about restraining yourself from being annoyed by the fact that you were just inconvenienced by some writing on the wall. <laughs> you kind of have to love them through the discipline so that you can, so that they survive to an age where they can understand the difference. Mm-hmm. Right. This might be kind of an ongoing challenge, but. Um, how do you work through kind of the maturity of your child, moving them from the world revolves around me to wait, I'm not the only person in the world. How do you help a, a child kind of grow in that? Well, I think part of it is responsibility. The more responsibility you give them and let them learn from their own mistakes, the better and more mature they become in that thinking. Um, I mean, I just remember my kids always saying, well, so-and-so doesn't have to do that. And how come they have to pay for that? And how come, right? And we say, well, you'll appreciate it later on in life. And I know my parents said that to me and you just roll your eyes. But it's so true that if you let them learn from their own mistakes, you don't try to correct everything for them and make their path easy so they never have to develop any skill set to improve as they grow, then they, they will always need someone else to solve the problems for them, right? So it's, I think it's more that. That's really good. I, I think just because we had a lot of kids, like four kids close to an mm-hmm. age, that I don't think they really had the opportunity to develop that sense that they were the center of our lives. And we, we've guarded our sense of autonomy, I think, well. Um, perhaps, but I think it's the harder thing to train in a child is empathy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Can you speak to that, Terry? What does that look like for your family? I feel like it just, well, you know, I practically like making their lunches. Like I like, I always do it and complain that it takes me so long, but I always have my control and I don't let the kids take ownership of that, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's more work for me to teach them how to, to make their lunches right. and for me to do it. So, you know, finding ways to give them, a, you know, a chance to do it themselves. So they understand how much time it takes and, you know, just, just basic like daily chores and 
things that just pile up after time and try to not let them uh, see me lose my cool over. <laughs> and doing things for other people as well and showing them how important it is to support your neighbor or support somebody maybe that financially might be struggling or um, might need some food or something like that. Like doing those things with your kids so then they understand mm -hmm. that sense of empathy for others. And, and I, a hard one is teaching them to respect another person's point of view, even though it might not be the same as theirs, um, but to respect that. So that's another, uh, a big challenge trying to help your child because they are so self-centered for such a long time. So to learn that skill of being empathetic and seeing other perspectives, that's, that's a huge job to teach. Leading by example. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I just saw something on Facebook. Just, I think it was just this week where, um, uh, one of, one of our relatives actually took her little girl out on a prayer walk around the neighborhood. Yes, I saw yes. that. Isn't that amazing? Beautiful. And I, that's what I thought of when I read that um, question. Yeah. Now, how to, how to get outside of yourself. Yes. Yeah. That's really Go good. Go around and pray yeah. for your neighbors. For your neighbors. <laughs> yeah. We took our kids allowance money with telling them this, this fall and said, we're going to take everything that we would give you for allowance and we got together with the neighbor to do like a Christmas basket for a family or something like that. And so they got to be part of knowing that they were contributing to, yeah. you know, something for a family who might not have as much. As they nice. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's really cool. Contribute, I think, is a good word, especially at the young end. That's that's kind of the base of what you're showing them. Team, mm -hmm. yeah, the, yeah. Team, the team effort. Jenny recently got ours, uh, the chore charts. Mm. So it's like nice. George asked why the chores weren't exactly the same. So, well, you're four, <laughs> he's two. So you, you can do more. You can yeah. chip in more. And then it's like this morning he wanted you to help him pick up his toys or whatever. Right. And you had to explain to him, well, these are the chores I'm doing. Those are the chores you're doing. Yeah. All right. Yeah, can, good. That's good. That's why you're picking up the toys so that I can. I did ask him if he wanted to help wash the dishes, and he said no. Yes, right. I was like, well, well, guess, do you want to help me wash the dishes? I help you if you help me. Yeah. yeah. It goes <laughs> no, both ways. Like yeah. yeah. <laughs> kind of e easing them into it to play well with others and then those other understandings, like respect. Right. Contributing, I think that comes later. How have you identified your child's strengths and, and maybe how, maybe an example of how you've encouraged them in those strengths? That must be fun to see that in, in your in your child when when they they're just glowing in a certain area. How have you identified those areas and then how have you encouraged them? We spent a lot of time, it seems like when a kid shows a, a special interest or they really take to you know girls, ballet, rock in basketball or or baseball, but whatever they did. Uh, we did. We spent a lot of time uh, at concerts and recitals and the games. And uh, I always thought it was, I always thought it was important uh, even to uh, let them 
uh, my involvement in the church never came ahead of that stuff. So if Brock had a ball game tonight at 630, it wouldn't make any difference if the district superintendent called or the vice chair of the church board, Tim, <laughs> were to call he's, and say he's not here. Something <laughs> I, I have a I have a I have an important that's a it seemed to be an awful important statement to make to the children that whatever gifting they seem to find themselves excelling in or involved in, it was that was important to me. Mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah. so, so. And, and now that they're grown, they often remind John about the times that he scheduled appointments with them. You know, he would actually put their name in his appointment book. And Especially during the seminary years when there was classes all day and work to do all evening. So, yeah, if, if they would schedule a time when that time came up, it would be just me and that one, and we'd go and mm -hmm. do something. They reflect on that. Yeah, they do, don't they? They reflect yeah. on that today. As during those times of being just with one of us, then they're more likely to talk. And uh, and then right. some of those giftings will come out in the talks. You know, mm -hmm. it's a good time to encourage them. You can't really encourage one. Maybe you can, but it, it just seemed easier to encourage their particular gift if it was just them and not with the other sibling. Mm -hmm. That'd be a little harder maybe for Harry and Buffy. <laughs> we only yeah. have two and then... Uh, two and then one more. Two and then 10 years later, along comes Kate. So we weren't as busy as... We have to be pretty intentional about taking time, especially for the twins, because they often mm. travel as a unit and it's just mm. convenient to take them together for things, right? So it's when when we rarely do take them out one-on-one, -on -one, it is really nice. Like they mm. really, you know, you, if one of them has a dentist appointment, you know, I'll, I'll take them early, you know, out of school and we'll go get coffee and then go or whatever, hot chocolate and then then go to the dentist appointment. Then it's it's a nice chance to to chat one-on-one. -on -one. Ours, I mean, you kind of have to be on the lookout for it. I think George shows a lot of like, uh, you know, he likes to color and he likes to paint and he's very creative and he's clearly got a lot of the empathy and the generosity. And mm -hmm. you, you wanna, you're almost trying to force the other one to follow him because it's just such a pleasant thing to be around. Uh, and the other one just kind of wants to stand out and be his own his own man, so to speak. So I don't know that we really, I haven't pinpointed what Williams are going to be. I think we're just trying to avoid, we're trying to avoid bully at this point. <laughs> and find a different quality to foster. Leader, <laughs> leadership. Yeah. Leadership. George, yeah. George is really good at sharing his toys and it's just, kind of, you just kind of got to get a read on that. Yeah. It's almost like it's easy for him to share his toys because he's bored of them. But then, wow. but then, uh, William feels like nothing was ever his. So once he gets his hands on something, he just wants to make it his own. Yeah. George George is very compassionate. Like he's very he he's very tenderhearted. Yeah. It's amazing how diverse kids can be in the same environment. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the second one comes in and just fills whatever role isn't being filled at the time. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of how it That's seems cool. to me. It's interesting because you might see later on 
it's it's very much George and William sound very much like Tyler and Jeremy were. Um, however, even though Tyler has this sometimes, you know, a funny sarcasm kind of side to him, he's got this really soft side to him that people don't see as much. Um, very uh, easy to. Um, you know, come become a little bit emotional over certain things, which people would never expect. Whereas with Jeremy, they expect him to be that kind, compassionate mm-hmm. um, person because it's it's on the outside of him as well. Whereas Tyler, it's more internal. So they both have that um, in them, but show it in such different ways right Mm -hmm. so it's yeah it's very very interesting they're so different in some ways like so different and then there's some other ways where they're so much the same it's just really it's interesting when you see them grow into adults kind of where they veer off and and uh, what their passions turn out to be it's just Mm. it's just interesting yeah Mm. yeah i find there's a bit of a challenge in, in the shifting gears too you have one that's older and you, you are a certain way with that one. And then when yep. you then you kind of turn to the other side of the room and you have, it's like you have a different tone of voice, you have different yep. intentions, yep. you have different everything. And they're like, yep. who is this guy? Like, are you split personality? What? Yeah. Or yeah. do you treat me like the other one? And I know. I find it's that hard. hard for me. Yeah. And you try to be con- as consistent as you can, but sometimes you just can't be the same. And they do feel it because I know that Tyler has felt it more than Jeremy because Jeremy, he never really, he's just always been who he is and you know who he is. Whereas Tyler liked to push boundaries and ask lots of questions and he's very much like that. So, and was uh, a, more of a risk taker. So you seemed like it was, you were always on him all the time. Number one, you're feared for his life sometimes. And then other times, you know, it's just like, just, just what are you going to say? Tell me what you're going to say before it happens. <laughs> so I know. Whereas, you know, so it's, it is hard because you, you want to show them love, um, but you can love your kids different. Right. And, and I think that's okay because they are different. So you love them in different ways for different things that they bring mm-hmm. to the family unit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. Lots of, lots of good stuff in there, guys. Um, what about this? This could go maybe one of two ways. And so there might be two different ways you could answer this, but how have you helped your child respond to loss and or failure, which could be similar, but if you've come across some of those, sometimes it it might seem trivial and others, it might be quite intense, but, um, anything that kind of comes to mind there, how have you helped and kind of taught and coached your child through responding to loss and or failure. I think our move from Winnipeg was really hard for Noah. Mm. It's only been about a year since she stopped. Like We've been here for five. We've been here for five years. Mm. And I think maybe about a year, maybe a year and a half ago, she maybe stopped saying she missed Winnipeg. And when she's, every time she would get tired and overwhelmed, she would just start sobbing and saying she missed Winnipeg. And just, mm-hmm. she had, you know, her first six years there, lots of foundation there, you know, with like really connected community. And um, it's, I don't know, it's, it's really hard to 
you know, coach her through that besides saying that, you know, we're a family called to, to bloom where we're planted and we're not necessarily going to be that family that gets to stay in one place for a super long time. And you're going to have lots of memories of lots of different places and lots of different friends and hard, but it's also rewarding and not everyone gets Mm -hmm. to, you know, have that opportunity. So I think we also tried to share our own grief over that process of leaving, you know, we didn't pretend like it was easy. Um, And, you know, and at the same time, trying to take those feelings of loss and frame them in a way of, you know, gratitude, you know, isn't it nice that we had those positive experiences and, and we have an opportunity to look back and, you know, to see them as they are, you know, sometimes in life, things can just pass you by and you don't have an opportunity to see them. But, you know, I think when you leave a place, you get to kind of sum it up a bit. And so, you know, not trying to deny it and. I think can help maybe, I don't know. There's a saying, you're only as happy as your unhappiest child. Mm -hmm. And when your child is going through um, failure or they are deeply wounded by something, regardless of the age, because the wound is still the same, we might think it's something simple, but to them it's quite huge. And as a parent, you feel that wound with them and sometimes even more, especially when they're young adults and they're going through something where they feel like they are a failure and you want to build them up. Um, but sometimes your words <laughs> don't mean a whole lot. It's sometimes um, better when somebody else comes in and kind of puts their arms around them and whispers some advice that um, will make them feel much better. Because I find for myself, sometimes I can get too involved in the feeling of being overwhelmed or their feeling of failure that I almost become a part of it with them instead of being the advice giver or being just a listener maybe I'm too much of an advice giver sometimes so yeah it's it's really hard regardless of the age but I find as a young adult I don't have the words of wisdom that I had when they were younger that worked and so I find it much harder and more heart-wrenching for me at this stage issues are big that's also important in the church setting that we are watching for people you know watching for others because i i like what you said kim it's so true that we come to a point where we're we're not the main people right that children want to listen to right and time for somebody else for friends to step in and yeah and extended family perhaps step in if they see something that needs to be addressed that yeah. a different voice means a lot to the it kids. really does yeah somebody else cares you know? yeah 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 it does what about um just regarding you know viewing your own parenting compared to other parents um is that something that has has been a challenge as in comparing yourself to either other parents or other parenting styles and could you speak to that 
These are hard questions. Mm. <laughs> we, we came from the age where there weren't any helps. There were no books or, or right. anything. You know, I mean, there were books. Yes, we were born before. Books uh -huh. were, were invented before us. But there just wasn't the help that people have now. And, uh, and so I'd love to go back sometimes, knowing... Mm. The parents know now, and the helps and the just the the ideas and everything is just yeah. I think I I think we, our kids really missed out on some good parenting that yeah those skills are available now. The the ideas are available now. I think that can be detrimental though. Like um, that you know to I think Jamie said like you know you can you can think you know one kid and the next one comes along and kind of blows it what you think of, you know, how parenting worked. And I think a lot of people are blogging about, you know, what it feels like to have that one kid and, and they haven't <laughs> yeah. really had their, their, you know, um, their paradigms uh, challenged. Uh, so I think you can go on the internet and feel like a failure, you know, or you can read a book and feel like, you know, that that person's way of parenting just doesn't fit. And, you know, maybe it's you. So I, I think that can work against you in some ways. I think, you know, being maybe in community and these having these kind of discussions are pr probably more profitable than. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I recently read uh, a quote. This person wrote that I had six theories and zero children now i have six children and zero theories <laughs> and i don't know if that relates to what you're saying or not maybe four in your case or two or three or but yeah. uh <laughs> i think the biggest thing like right now things are not normal but for us to be successful as a as a couple and as parents we need to be consistently surrounded by other parents and just encouraging each other because none of us are perfect none of us are doing it well uh, or you know we're doing our best but i think the best the, the our highs in our parenting journey so far has has been when we've had consistent gatherings with other parents and the kids love having those gatherings they love seeing our parent the parents get together and just having time together to have grown-up talk and i think that model is really important for the kids um, mm -hmm. doesn't matter if it's perfect or not, but that the fact that we're investing time in together. So I think that's been the hardest part in this last year and a half for us because we can't mm. leave the house. We don't have parents. We don't have help for have babysitters at all. So, we, and we can't have those gatherings. So I think, you know, going forward, I hope that's something we can, can return to because right. it's been memorable for the kids for sure. Oh, good. We're coming down the home stretch. Uh, just a few more questions for you guys. You've done great. And it's been, uh, I think, really helpful for a lot of people today so far. This question um, would be, what is your greatest prayer for your children? I guess that would take me right to the bottom line. And, and I think of this often when I pray for them, when I think about them, I guess my greatest prayer and hope for my children is that one day they hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Yeah. Yeah. I would say with, especially with ours being so young right now, just that as they 
grow to just first initially know Jesus and accept, bring him into his their heart and and make that invitation for themselves. Right now, they really know Jesus as you you pray at supper to him, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. So and they're you know start to learn about him in Sunday school, but it's a very very early um, road for them. So you know, I just keep praying that they. Um, yeah, learn to uh, get to know him and are able to form a relationship with them and yeah, with him. And the prayer is kind of the, yeah. that they'll do better than us in all aspects. Mm-hmm. And that would be a very important one. I mean, yeah. right. what, what's the example you set? What's the temperament you have with your kids? Right. They inherit that each day. Yeah. And uh, they bounce back and forth. You kind of pray for the moment too. It's like, pray for your kid that day like, and it's like lord give me patience with william has, <laughs> has nothing to do with him really he's just being himself it's you that has to like adapt yeah. to that so until they get a little good, older all you can really do is point in the right direction <laughs> there's got to be a reason jesus was like you have to if you want to know me you have to know me like these kids or you'll never get in like they've already they've already got the foundation and the groundwork you're just trying to not get in the way <laughs> Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't want their relationship with Jesus to be my relationship with Jesus. I want them to have their own relationship to find their own, their own way. It can look very different than mine does. And that's okay. As long as they have Jesus. Right. And I guess that's the most important thing and their spouses as well. I often pray for, wisdom for them uh, and that they would see things the way God see things. They'd see people the way, you know, they love people the way God loves people and they hate what God hates. And um, I feel like that kind of absolves me of taking responsibility for their future. You know, I I don't have Mm -hmm. to worry so much if I know that they, you know, they'll roll with life, um, you know, with God's wisdom rather than mine, you know, I think as we're just getting ready to wrap up, this final question might be a a great way to uh, kind of inspire maybe either younger parents or other parents who are listening and and watching this today and have already been encouraged by what you've been able to share. What is the, if you could leave people with like one either parenting lesson that you've learned that you'd want your younger self to know, uh, but really in the context with the prayers that you've just shared, um, especially about raising children who will follow Jesus, what would be that that biggest kind of parenting lesson that you would want to pass on to people? Be more diligent and consistent in sharing my prayer life and my devotional life with the kids in front of the kids. And not, I, I think when the kids are young, it's like you're, you're trying to do your devotions at night as you're falling asleep because you know you should. Um, and we we're all, we've all been there. Um, but I wish, and Tim and I have talked about this, we wish that we had been more diligent in having our Bible open while we're sitting on the couch instead of maybe watching a show or something like that and, and just uh, providing opportunities for the kids to see us physically do it um, and then spend more time 
with them in devotions and prayer as well. But that's it's life, you know, life can always get in the way. Right. And so I wish that we had done that differently for sure. Hmm. I'd like for my kids to know that there's nothing they could ever do to make me love them more. And there's nothing that they could ever do to make me love them less. Yeah. Uh, that as long as father leaves me here in this planet, that's, it'll always be that way. And maybe we've, we have been disappointed, I guess, at times and choices they've made, but I still think through that, they know mm-hmm. that those, those, even the choices that we didn't approve of, even when they're adults, now adults, uh, nothing changes the fact that we love you. Always have, always been. Yeah, kid, kids deserve to know that growing up. I think. Mm-hmm. It kind of comes back to the the prayers that you have for them, and mm-hmm. it's a lot of it is in the end. It's just kind of the personal growth for us. It's like we're both trying to get out of each other's way and understand that we're just pursuing Jesus, and we'll meet there. So. I don't know. I don't know that you really raise kids to follow Jesus. You, you raise kids while you follow Jesus. Right. Jesus takes yeah. care of the rest. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. Mm. Yeah. He gave them to you in the first place. You're just you're thankful to have them, and you do your best. And that's the key. You just do your best. Yeah. Show up. That's what my dad always said. Yeah. Just show up. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Oh, I love the Davisms. <laughs> <laughs> he'd say, he'd say, eighty uh, percent of it is just showing up, and I'd say, yeah, and eighty percent of stats are made up on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys for your time with this. I um, want you to know how much we appreciate this. It's, uh, I think, a great way to wrap up the Family Matters series. Great to hear some of the, the funny stories, uh, some of the heartfelt ones, uh, the challenges, and, and a lot of inspiration for people. And so it would be my prayer for you guys that you would continue on this parenting journey and, and that God would grant you peace even now to continue. And uh, you're raising kids of, of a variety of ages uh, in this little group right here. Uh, that are following Jesus and becoming more and more compassionate. And so that would be our prayer for you and for everyone uh, part of this today, uh, that you would be blessed by this. And uh, thanks so much uh, for being a part of this, guys. It's been good.